You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 12. Verses 1 through 25, Job answers his critics. There's a Finnish proverb that says, Your character is revealed by the things that make you laugh. If that's the case, what does it mean that I enjoy sarcasm and language humor, particularly mistakes like misplaced modifiers? An example was I once said, did you see me pass by you with my husband in a red dress? But it was me in the red dress. And that's why I like Job's response here. He is sarcastic again in 1710, but we'll talk about that then. Here he says, Doubtless you are the only people who matter, and wisdom will die with you. He recognized them as know-it-alls, and once they were gone from this world, there would be no one left to explain the meaning of life. He understood the principles they had spoken, but felt they were irrelevant to his situation. But I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know all these things? Often, critics of believers, especially those who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and trust in the historicity of events like the creation of the world out of nothing, the global flood and Noah's Ark, and any miracles like the resurrection of Jesus, are quick to mock them as ignorant simpletons. But the antidote for this is not greater self-esteem, but a knowledge of God. Jeremiah records God's words about this. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast in their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Studying who God is helps us to see how small and insignificant all of us are. We don't need to be God. We have a God. So he voiced the pain of being mocked, ridiculed, and despised by his friends. Since he had fallen on hard times, they now despised him. But he called himself just and blameless. He was not being presumptuous. This was God's assessment of him too. They had no use for his help since they were at ease. Then he challenged their simplistic notions that good things happened to good good people and trouble followed the wicked by reminding them that God sometimes allowed thieves to prosper and be secure. The psalmist says something similar in Psalm 73:12. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. So even though they provoke God by their wickedness, he seems to provide for them. But we need not worry. Worldly prosperity is but a small thing compared to what God has in store for his children. Then in very poetic language, Job describes the law of the jungle, that in the animal world, the violent and vicious survive. But ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Yet even in the animal kingdom, God decides when they live or die. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. He asks rhetorical questions. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? These questions carry over into the next statement. 
changing it to mean, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? He expected that his older friends would offer sound advice, but that had not been the case. By contrast, Job extols God's attributes, his wisdom, power, and sovereignty. There is no way to fight God. What he tears down cannot be rebuilt. Those he imprisons cannot be released. In Ecclesiastes 7.13, Solomon says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? And in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus describes hell. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Once God imprisons in hell, there is no release. Then we see God's power over water, either to withhold it in a drought or to send a flood. If he holds back the waters, there is drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. Two examples of this are the drought during the time of Elijah in response to his prayers and the global flood of Noah's day in Genesis 6-9. And while the flood in Noah's day was a clear judgment, at other times, drought was seen as a judgment from God on sin. He warned them about this in Deuteronomy 11, 16-17. Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Job said if God took away the understanding and discernment of counselors, elders, and chiefs, they'd grope in the darkness without a light and stagger like a drunken man. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Job acknowledged God's sovereignty over nature, human society, and national and international affairs. Leaders need God's wisdom to discern and understand anything. It would show wisdom if people who disagreed would focus on the things most assuredly believed among us and don't major on the minors. You've been listening to the podcast, Bible Companion Series, by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 13. May God bless the study of his word.